That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to a game one W of the Western Conference Finals, 132 to 126, a high scoring affair at Ball Arena to kick off the Western Finals. I was in the building. It was an absolute blast. It was a tale uh, of two halves for sure. Um, and a lot of thoughts to get out of uh, my head here. Shout out to the handful of listeners. Um, of this podcast and our radio show, I saw at Ball Arena, uh, running into you guys uh, and some of the nice things that uh, you guys share is always going to make me feel good. Uh, what a lively environment! I mean, that was you know what it reminded me of of a lot, and it was just hard to um, hard to ignore uh, for me being at the Avs Cup run a year ago. And man, we've made a lot of uh, Nuggets Avalanche uh, analogies over the last year because it really is something the the, the arc of the teams. Um, with the Avs, like, and and hopefully uh, all the way through, one step ahead of the Nuggets, like, year over year. Um, and I just remember the intensity in the building uh, a year ago on the Avs C- Cup run, especially when they when, when they got to, like, the Western Conference Finals, like, the way, where the Nuggets are now. It was just palpable. Like, you can feel the energy, like, almost, like, physically on your chest in the building. That was the case for me anyway. And it was some of the loudest that I have heard Ball Arena. I mean... Goodness gracious, the the intensity of the crowd, um, it felt like almost every bucket um, was a McKinnon goal. I mean, and they sustained it. The crowd sustained it all the way through, and the apex of of uh, this entire category of the crowd is Aaron Gordon catching the alley-oop dunk um, that, at late stages of the fourth that just, I mean, the, the, the place came inside out. It was just incredible, an incredible one-of-one uh, atmosphere. So huge shout out to the crowd. And I'll tell you, as someone who uh, has been going to these games for the last six years, and I know that's not the longest time in the world, but it's long enough to understand the context of this. Just three or four years ago, if you went to a Nuggets game, maybe even two seasons ago, if it was 2021, if you went to a Nuggets Lakers game, there'd be like 30% Lakers fans. Now there's always going to be Lakers fans. There's always going to be opposing fans. Um, but but especially L.A. Uh, with how just you know just coast to coast that fan base is, and they'll travel uh, with, with 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 that fan base in particular. So um, I'm bringing that up because man, it, it was it was 90 percent Nuggets fans. It really was, and it just speaks to the growth of uh, the interest in this team here locally, and people you know not willing to sell their tickets. You know, pe- people wanting to be there. And if you were there, you were lucky because you saw one of the most special performances from Nikola Jokic that you will ever see. In 42 minutes, Jokic goes for 34 points, 21 rebounds, and 14 assists. That is a 30-point, 20-rebound, triple-double in a playoff game in the Western Finals. I mean, that is remarkable. That is jaw-dropping. There have only been four 
30-point, 20-rebound, triple-double games in NBA postseason history. Jokic has two of them. Jokic has two of them. I mean, let that sink in from his performance uh, 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 a couple years ago against Phoenix. Uh, Only Wilt Chamberlain, right, and that's been like the phrase of the last two years, not since Wilt, right, we got to have a picture of Jokic on his T-shirt with the phrase, not since Wilt, fill in the blank. Uh, not, si- not since Wilt in 67 and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1970 uh, have has another player done what Jokic has done twice now uh, in the last three postseasons. He was remarkable. He was uh, masterful. The way that first half from Jokic and 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 I woke up um, and I'm I'm, I'm going to try to keep my voice to a a moderate level here because I feel like I'm getting sick. Um, because I went to the game last night, didn't get home until late. Uh, I, I'm unwinding and whatnot. Next thing you know, I'm not in bed until you know twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning. But I wanted to get up and rewatch the game. Excuse me, I wanted to get up and rewatch the game um, to see what the TV copy looked like and hear what the commentary was. So I got up at like five thirty in the morning. Me and my four year old, uh, he, he he made it through most of it with me. Um, rewatched the game and. Uh, it was Mike Greenberg uh, when they went to the uh, ESPN studios at halftime um, saying that is as good uh, that, that, that he said that is as masterful as a, a half of basketball as you will ever see. I mean, uh, Jokic had more rebounds at halftime than the Lakers combined. Uh, I mean, just just think about that. Then the Lakers combined. That is uncanny. And at the half. Uh, he became the second player, Jokic did. Jokic became the second player uh, to have fi- 15 or more points and 15 or more rebounds in the first half of a playoff game since 1996 1997, adjoining Tim Duncan, uh, who did it back in 2002. So since the late 90s, only two players have did uh, what, what, what Jokic did last night, Jokic and, and Tim Duncan. Pretty good. Pretty good freaking uh, company there. I mean, he had 19 points and 16 boards at, at, at halftime, guys. At, at halftime. 19 and 16. It just, we run out of uh, superlatives again. Um, goodness gracious, 34, 21, and 14. And he did it in an assortment of ways. I mean, he was the definition of a three-level scorer. He goes three for three from three, including the most absurd shot with Anthony Davis in his face from like 35 feet with no time left in the third quarter. That really was a sigh of relief three for me. Um, there was a couple of those moments in the second half that like you took a sigh of relief because the Lakers were, you know, came storming back and, and the Nuggets offense became stagnant. But that three at the end of the third, it was like, <sighs> okay, everything's fine. <laughs> Every, everything is fine. Um, but but three-level scoring from Jokic, he was knocking down threes. He had the mid-range going. He was masterful around the basket. I mean, this guy was, I mean, from him spinning off Anthony Davis and using AD's leverage uh, against him and going, you know, from the right side kind of baseline uh, for the jam to, um, you know, Sambor shuffles and floaters and, I mean, goodness. I, uh, how about when he came galloping uh, down the left side in transition in the second half, finished with the opposite hand, finished with the right hand off the glass uh, on the left side in transition. I mean, what what didn't he do? And then him getting people involved to an outrageous degree uh, from him sucking in 
um, a, a, a double team with LeBron and AD and dumping it off to a cutting Contavious Caldwell Pope. Uh, can't wait! To, can't wait to talk about KCP in a second. But but dumping it off to KCP uh, for the right-handed finish. Um, him operating on the uh, uh, sort of block extended uh, in the short corner, if you will, and and finding you know Bruce Brown diving back door. I mean the the, the just it was a freaking master class. And I go back to you know what we, we've said here the last week: the universal acceptance of Jokic's greatness injected into my veins. You're, you're hearing Jalen Rose just go over the top saying he, he's unstoppable. What what do you – it sounded like, hey, hey, I'll tell you this, and, and this is where we're at with the Jokic commentary. If you blocked out the word and you just censored who he was talking about and, like, beeped it like he was cussing or something, uh, and you filled it with uh, Shaquille O'Neal, it would make sense. Right? Like, no one can guard him. He's dominant. He's unstoppable. And he's talking about Jokic. And this is where we're at with the national media catching up to what we hear in Denver and folks abroad all around the, all around the world and around the country that do watch the Nuggets. And you can almost hear the surprised nature in Greeny's voice of Mike Greenberg. Now, just to frame the context, Greeny gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning, okay, and, and hosts that show. Uh, uh, get up, and he's been getting up at three o'clock in the morning for for his whole adult life. You know, hosting Mike and Mike and all this stuff, and he's a worker, so he ain't watching Jokic at twelve thirty Eastern. You know, during the regular season, and and Greenberg is a decent representative to average NBA fans. Forty seven percent of this country lives on the East Coast. Okay, so I have buddies back home who the light bulb is going off for them too. They, they haven't seen, like, prime Jokic with the healthy complement of players around him until now. So I will say this. While it can be frustrating, show um, a, a, a little bit of grace to your friends, um, maybe, who are just realizing it. I'll show less grace to the national media because that's their job to, 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 to know what the MVP is all about. Um, but, hey, whatever. However you get there, we're here. Um Okay, uh, 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 Jamal Murray uh, was fantastic. Uh, we predicted on this podcast uh, in the table setter uh, recorded yesterday. And by the way, at the time of recording, it's Wednesday morning, about 1030 in the morning. Um, we predicted Jamal Murray would average uh, 30 points for the series. Uh, he scored 31 points in game number one. He was fantastic from three-point range, shot four for eight. He was hyper-efficient from the field, shooting 12 for 20. Uh, he had the step back going. He had a, a, a near buzzer beater uh, uh, for, uh, on his own. So he had Jokic have one, but Murray uh, have another, uh, basically for all intents and purposes. I think there was like a second left. Uh, got to the free throw line, went three for three, uh, five rebounds, five assists, um, 31 points. You, you just sign up for that uh, t- 10 out of 10 times. And, and, and it all mattered. Like it all mattered. Like his buzzer beater, Jokic's buzzer beater, you know, all these buckets, they mattered because you look up with a minute left and the ball's in LeBron James' hand and it's a one-possession game. And and the thought did go through my head, oh my God, are they going to blow this? If they did, that would have been the worst loss of the Jokic era, unequivocally. Okay? There's been some regular season stinkers. Nothing would come close to the, to blowing a 20-point second-half lead to the Lakers at home in the Western Finals. That would have been maybe the worst loss in Nuggets history. Um, so 
uh, the, the fact that they got by, they needed all those buckets, um, and, and Jamal was obviously a big part of that, and he was doing it under the weather. Like, that was the word in the arena uh, in pregame, that Jamal Murray was still sick. And um, you know what? He looked like it at points in the second half. He looked tired, played 37 minutes. Um, but, man, he, he came through. Uh, Big-time game number one. And I expect more of that from Jamal Murray in this series. No one on the Lakers roster can guard Murray at a high level on a possession-by-possession basis. I do not think 31 points will be an anomaly in this series. I don't. Uh, I, I think I think he'll get to I think he'll get to thirty three more times in this series, so it's not going to be great every single night, unless it is, unless it is. So we'll see what uh, game two has in store. I thought Michael Porter Jr. was fantastic, guys. Uh, six for twelve from the field, fifty percent three for uh, six from three. Uh, grabbed ten rebounds, had fifteen points, was a team high plus twenty when he was on the floor, and when the game was in a high leverage moment. And the game hung in the balance. Michael Porter Jr. made a winning play that will not show up in the box score. That if you're a basketball fan or you're his teammate or you're his coach, the equity that Michael Porter Jr. earned by getting on the floor and sticking his nose in, in, in a loose ball situation. Can't believe they didn't, they didn't blow the uh, 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 play dead. I mean, typically that's what, you know, it's almost like a cop-out, but they let him play, uh, the officials did let him play through, the Nuggets ended up retaining possession, and um, it, it results in that Aaron Gordon alley-oop that was just, I mean, just freaking phenomenal. Phenomenal. But Michael Porter Jr. getting on the basketball and, and starting that play um, was everything. Was everything. And Michael Malone talked about it in the postgame uh that's championship basketball right there. You don't have a second to think about it, okay? When that ball's on the ground, there's no processing time. You just get on the freaking floor, and that's what MPJ did, and I love to see it. It's, it's maybe my favorite play of his career in just a different sort of variety, okay? He's had some awesome plays, and it's not quite literally, but considering the, the situation and time and score, maybe it is. Maybe it is. I love to see it. Um... Uh, KCP, <sighs> dude, this guy, this guy, talk about the championship pedigree. We talked about it after game six. Guys, you cannot find another set of games this season where KCP scores 20 points or more in back-to-back games. It didn't happen all year. And you're telling me KCP is going to be the best version of himself and score 21 points in a closeout game in Phoenix, and then you're going to follow that up in a tone setting game one against the Lakers. I just, uh, I'm, 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 I'm so impressed with Contavious Caldwell Pope and his contributions to this team. 17 shots was a season high, and it was just, it was, it was just so appropriate. They, they needed every single contribution from KCP, and you know. Um, Going to the game, I was bullish on KCP. I actually put him in uh, my same game parlay that Superbook let me build that we freaking hit plus 535, meaning uh, that was better than 5-1 to one odds. You bet 100 bucks, you win 535 bucks because we had KCP over 9.5 points, Jamal Murray over 24.5 points, and Michael Porter Jr. over 14.5 points. He gets to 15. We hit, go 3-0. and um, So I was bullish on KCP, but... To, to, to score twice as many as his prop was set at for the second game in a row for the first time this season, love to see it. 
Bruce Brown, equally impressed. I thought he was a freaking dog, man. Like him hunting out D'Angelo Russell in transition, knowing that there's no backside help, and just driving his freaking left shoulder into the chest of D'Angelo Russell, saying, you don't belong out here. You don't belong out here. And they ran D'Angelo Russell right off the floor. I don't know. I, I don't know what the future is for him in this series um, because he, he, he looked out of place. He looked out of place. So we'll see. Um, you know, he can be up and down anyway, so we'll see what, what, what's in store for, for D'Lo later in the series. But I just loved Bruce Brown taking advantage of him in transition. And he, he did it twice. He had a similar play twice where, you know, he realizes that there's a big gaping hole in the backside of the defense in transition. No one's running back, like, to get, to, to get back to the basket. Um, and no one's stopping the ball, so he just drives it right at D'Angelo. And then there was a, a play in the second half that, you know, I know got a lot of play on SportsCenter is, you know, again, no one's stopping the ball and him just saying, okay, uh, f- fine by me. I'm going to take it to the basket. I'm going to throw it down tomahawk style with one hand, and I'm going to set ball arena on fire right now. And I just, I just, I'm, a, I'm a, KCP and Bruce Brown, Calvin Booth has a feather in his cap and it's a peacock feather. It's a peacock. It's that big, man. The additions of those guys, we've been talking about it all year, and I feel like this is a broken record, but a broken record that I love to listen to. All right. Um, for the truthers that believe that Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic is going to flip the series, I think you're out of your mind. Uh, I've seen a lot of that, like, oh, Lakers should be really encouraged. I think Jokic is going to whoop the ass of Rui Hachimura if that is their plan. He is a diagnoser. He is a surgeon. It will take him a half a basketball uh, to, to, to read and react this situation and set the Nuggets up for success. He's that good, okay? And that half a basketball that he needs may already be in the books. That's the kicker. L.A. could have potentially tipped their hand for their approach for game two. Now, they all seem like a confident bunch, and, and maybe they should be. Okay, I don't know how this series is going to age. What I do think I know is that this is going to be a long series. Uh, I had Nuggets in seven, and I'm not moving off that. I do not feel coming out of game one the way that I felt coming out of game one against Phoenix, where it was just like, oh, my God, the, the, the Suns don't have the bullets. Uh, they, they do not have the ammo uh, for 12 rounds with the juggernaut offensively that is the Denver Nuggets. Um, I don't necessarily feel like that, although – Look, you want to know. I don't really care about the order in which it fell. Um, by by the time the ball tips on on Thursday night, like w- all that matters is you won. There's no moral victories in the playoffs. Okay, so uh, and then the other way of looking at it is instead of saying, "Hey, we were down 20 plus in the second half, we came back and it was a one possession game." Um, the other way of looking at it is you got 40 and 10 on hyper efficient scoring from Anthony Davis. LeBron James was one triple, uh, one assist away from a triple double. Uh, Rui Hachimura uh, was fantastic, eight of 11 from the floor uh, for 17 points. You shot 60 percent in the second half and 55 percent for the game, 46 uh, percent from three, 89 percent from the free throw line, and you still lost. That's that's the other way of looking at it as well. The biggest uh, correction I, I think that is coming game over game um, is the rebounding. The Lakers were so bad on the glass in that first half uh, in particular. You know, already mentioned that Jokic had more boards than the Lakers team combined uh, at the halftime break. Um, 
they were so bad. They gave up so many long rebounds. They gave up so many second-chance opportunities. I mean, look at the offensive rebounds for the game. Nuggets, 15. Lakers, 5. That is, you got tripled up uh, in a category um, that shouldn't be that drastic. It shouldn't be that drastic. Okay, Lakers are bigger across the board. Uh, if you take a look at you know the the the, the seven eight guys that the that the Nuggets are going to play, um, but it shouldn't be it should not be that drastic. Um, looking for okay, yeah, a Nugget scored fifty points in the paint, but that the the rebounding category, I think the biggest correction is coming in that department. Um, because that's the most applicable thing that that you can just apply game over game. Like you're not asking for more shots to go down. Uh, rebounding is the one of the most controllable things in the game of basketball. So if you just make that your focus and and put your effort there, um, chances are the Nuggets aren't going to have 15 offensive rebounds uh, in game number two. Chances are Jokic isn't going to out rebound the entire Lakers team at halftime in game number two. I just expect that to be a, a, a uh, incredible um, point of emphasis uh, for Darvin Ham, and um, we'll see what the uh, what the response is uh, from from the Nuggets in, in that department. Just gonna be a little bit tougher. Just gonna be a little bit tougher. Um, okay, uh, uh, that is most of the thoughts that I have at the top of my head. Uh, we will come back and we will be uh, reacting on Friday morning uh, to uh, game number two. At Ball Arena, I do believe I'm going to be there uh, again. Uh, how about James Goldstein in the building? If you're if you're a, if you're an NBA fan, like if you're like a hardcore fan, you already know who James Goldstein is. He is one of the um, biggest super fans in NBA history. He's the guy that always dresses in like these exotic like snakeskin outfits and cowboy hats, and he's sitting courtside and he's a jet set travels all around the country. I think his house was used in the movie The Big Lebowski. Um, I, I don't know how he got his money. I don't know if anyone knows how he got his money, to be honest. Um, but he's clearly a billionaire, um, and he's a massive Lakers fan. And there he was, and I'm, I turn around, and I'm standing right next to him. Uh, and I'm like, holy crap, that's James Goldstein. I'm like, can I get a selfie with you? <laughs> and Because uh, I don't know how long he's going to make it. That might be, be my last opportunity. He, he looks like he's in rough shape. And you can see the picture uh, on my Instagram or on my Twitter. I, I documented most of my night in the pregame on my Instagram. If you want to hit it up, at ZBuy23. Uh, my access was great and got a lot of great shots and kind of behind-the-scenes warm-up stuff and national anthem stuff. And if you want to check that out. Um, but, uh, yeah, James Goldstein. I love it. I, lo- I remember those, the, the, the Lil Wayne line uh, in the Kobe Bryant song. He said, uh, Two four so nice, my flow so mean. Catch me at the game, sitting next to Goldstein, uh, and there he was. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son was there. Uh, Russell Wilson was there, sitting courtside. Um, so Staples Center light for the uh, for the Western Conference Finals uh, game one. Um, okay, uh, we'll leave it there for now. I hope you guys enjoyed game one um, as cardiac uh, as it was down the stretch. Uh, I, I, it did cross through my mind. Oh my gosh, they're going to lose this game. It's like it's like giving Tom Brady the ball back with a minute. Like it's a one possession game, and LeBron's got the ball in his hands. Oh my god! Uh, but they 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 edged him out. It's all good. One zero is the series. One thirty two, one twenty six is the final. I expect that scoring to come down a little bit. That is a lot, a lot of points. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. 
Uh, all right, guys, if you want to rate this uh, podcast five stars, if you think we deserve it, it would be greatly appreciated. That's for sure. Tell a friend. That's the best way to grow this podcast. Shout out to our uh, title sponsor, Superbook Sports. You can hit up the Superbook app. I'm giving out my pregame uh, plays and stuff like that and had a lot of success with that uh, in game number one and really just throughout the playoffs here so far. So if you want to uh, keep an eye out for that, if you are in that space like I am. Um, okay. Uh, we'll look ahead to game number two and whatever happens at Ball Arena on Thursday night, you already know we're going to be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.